Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I want to thank Duke for preaching the Word of God last week. It was good, right? Yeah, yeah, but I thought it was good. Good job, Duke. I uh, listened to it uh, while eating room service in my bed in Cancun. I was enjoying myself watching it on a laptop. I want to thank him for allowing me to go and sit in Cancun for a week, attempt to get brown. Uh, I, I, I kind of succeeded a little bit. And uh, here's what's kind of funny. Uh, I don't got time for these money trails. But uh, a lot of Brits were there, a lot of people from Great Britain. And uh, people from Great Britain, mostly, um, you would think they're white. They're translucent, right? Like these people have no melanin at all, right? And uh, I'm from Florida. I'm like, you do not want to be out in the sun. Like, your zone is the shade. Like, you want to, if you feel the sun, you're burning. Come into the shade. You're like, no, it's all right, mate. I put on some screen. I'm like, that is not going to help. (laughs) Like, you needed to do that three weeks ago and sit in the sun, that little British sun. And so you could tell who had been there for a while because by the third day, they're all at, like, the pools wearing clothes. Like, they're fully covered with a towel on their head. I'm like, bruh, I try to tell you. Y'all don't want to listen. Uh, you know, I can't do nothing for you. you gotta, we got to listen to some wisdom every now and then, right? Some people have been places that we haven't been before, and we need to, we need to listen to this. And if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. And, um, you know, the, 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 the funny thing is, like, like, these people read the back of a bottle, and, uh, and, and they thought that that was going to teach them how to not get burned. And I'm like, I done spent, you know, 50 years in the sun of Florida as a white guy. I got this thing figured out to the point where I got a little skin cancer to prove it. Like, you might want to listen to, to a brother who has a little bit of experience in this. Uh, but, but we make the mistake of wanting to start over every generation. There's nothing more frustrating that for, a, for a parent than watching their children make the same mistake that you make. You say amen. It is, it is like you want to beat your head not, not into a wall but through a wall because you're like, I know where this road leads and it's not going to be anywhere good. And uh, they're just like, well, you know, I got to find out on my own. I'm like, I really wish you wouldn't because I paid this price already. And, uh, but they don't, but, but you know, small children are stupid uh, by and large, right? Uh, that's why they do really dumb things like, have a fit that you don't let them eat rocks, right? Like, like I want it, but I want it. And they're like, get off the ground. Like, you, you, no, I'm not going to let you touch dog poop. Like, look, you, what, right? But as they get older, they want to they forge their own path. And then you got to give them a little more room. Uh, and then every now and then, they forge a new path and it works. And you're shocked. And then you find out they did it different than you told them. That's why it worked. And, uh, and, 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 and but, but, you know, this is, this is, this is like what, what, what God has been taking us through in the last year in this house, is showing us that we, we not only don't need to reinvent the wheel, what we're actually doing is finding the wheel that the early church fathers had already made, rediscovering that and using what they had already discovered works. As my bishop likes to say, we need to go out with the old and in with the older. <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need new, we don't need fancy, like the last thing this church needs is moving lights and fog. What we need is good doctrine and some people committed to Jesus, right? Like, this is what, this is what actually is needed, right? Like, and they're like, if you just did this and you just did that, I was like, man, you said everything but 
Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm, we're looking for more of Jesus. This is what we want. And it would be nice if we had a couple of people who were committed to him as opposed to their own agenda. Now, I don't, if you're a visitor today, we love you. And we love every church in Boca, right? I, if, if, you, if you believe this Bible and you're teaching out of it this morning, whether you're paraphrasing it or, what, or you're teaching it word by word, we are on the same team. We don't feel like we are the only church our way or no way. We feel like as a people, God is taking us on a journey to understand what the Lord actually left the apostles. We want to know what when the scripture says the faith once handed down for all like this is that's the faith I want, the one that was handed down, not the one that was reinvented. Right. I've heard enough doctrines of men. I want to learn the doctrines that Jesus left his apostles and what they worked out in those first couple centuries, those who were closest to Jesus, who had no earthly idea that anybody would become rich preaching the gospel, who just said, I do this because I love God. I know he is the one true God, and we want to follow him. That's what we're going to talk about today uh, in John chapter 13. Uh, I'm not going to get into this deep, but my voice is a little scratchy today. I don't have time to tell you the story but I will leave a teaser because I will, I will talk about it at some point because I can't help but talk about stuff. Uh, I done fought uh, like uh, two days ago, two, about two days ago, uh, my family was walking a dog, 150-pound Rottweiler ran out of somebody's house, and I fought it in the middle of the street, and I screamed at the top of my lungs, come get your dog, uh, as I'm beating, I'm, this, this Rottweiler weighs more than anybody in my family but me, right? And uh, I... And so I'm a little bruised, I'm a little scratched, and my voice was blown out, but I didn't kill the Rottweiler, and it didn't bite my dog or my wife, and so uh, my voice is gone, but, but hallelujah, if I had a gun, I'd have shot it, I ain't gonna lie, but thankfully I didn't, but I wouldn't have been sad. Um, I was beating the Rottweiler, I tell you what, we was going toe-to-toe in the middle of the street. It's been a long time since your pastor been in a fight. All right, <clears throat> I've wanted to be in a few, but... All right, John chapter 13. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Sometimes I read some of those uh, Old Testament scriptures about how you deal with conflict. I'm like, not a bad idea. You know, we got rocks. We got outside the city. We could do some of this. That could solve some problems. It's a very present help in time of need. All right, here we go. John chapter 13, <clears throat> starting in verse 31. We're going to read the word of God here. It says, therefore, when he, Jesus... When Jesus had gone, excuse me, he, Judas, excuse me, had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. We're at the last supper right here. They just finished the meal. Uh, Jesus had talked about someone's going to betray me. Judas dipped the bread. People wonder if it was them. The guilty never think it's them. You ever notice that? Uh, And then uh, he leaves and Jesus says, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Amen. Uh, you've probably heard parts of this preached lots of times. Uh, I, 
we're not talking about whatever you think I'm talking about, right? Uh, because that's just how we kind of do. This is a crazy, complex passage. And uh, I hope that I can quickly unpack it for you and make it relevant to your life today. Fortunately, they didn't start my timer. So like, you know, I'm good to go, right? So the, 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 as, we, as we read through the scripture here, we see here in verse 31, the very first thing it says, um, in verse 31, you put it on up there for me, it says, um, uh, therefore, therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, uh, verse 31, if you got it, just go on back there a little bit there, Zoe. Uh, now is the Son of Man glorified. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now, as we read the Bible, it's super important that we remember we read the Bible two ways. Number one, we read the Bible to read the story, to get the story, to understand what's going on, uh, uh, you know, to just kind of to understand the big picture. Uh, then we read it to be formed by the scriptures. And when we're reading it formationally so that we're no longer reading the Bible, but the Bible is reading us, we have to stop, go slow, make sure we understand what it is we're reading. You may need to read it and say, do I understand? Of course I understand. Well, what does it mean to be the son of man? How many times have you read it and never did an actual deep dive on what does it mean when he referred to himself as the son of man? When Jesus called himself something, probably important, right? Like this is what God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, named himself, probably important, right? So as we look at this, Scripture, uh, Son of Man, Jesus used it kind of frequently, uh, but we see it in the Old Testament off and on, but there's one portion of the Old Testament where it's uh, particularly significant, and that's in Ezekiel chapter 17. Ezekiel, of course, was a prophet of the Old Covenant, went through some hard times. In the old days, you did not want to sign up to be a prophet because prophets got killed. Right? The majority of the prophets uh, in Israel's history, we know, were murdered. Uh, some of them wrote scriptures that we have to this day. Not all prophets wrote books that later became canonized in the scriptures. Many of them uh, were murdered. We know this because Jesus said it. And if Jesus said it, I believe it. Right? And so Jesus said, Israel, Israel, you who murdered the prophets. Right? Uh, and so we know these prophets in the old day, to be a prophet meant you're going to say a lot of things that a lot of people may not like, but Jesus will be glorified. God will be glorified. Today, there's a bit of a perversion of the prophetic ministry in that uh, the prophet has come to make everybody rich and happy. And you just don't see it. it you just don't see it. Right? As you read the Bible, there's no way you can read the Bible and come away and say, oh yeah, that's probably what he does. You know, that's why they killed him, because nobody wanted to be happy. Right? No. No. Right? Um, I, uh, I have had uh, 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 an increased um, prophetic input in my life and in the, in the prophetic people in this house that I trust and the prophetic people outside of this house that I trust. Um, they have, there's kind of a theme. Uh, we have some issues in, in our nation and some of them are not going to get better soon. Some of them will get worse. And you better know Jesus. That's why we need to know Jesus, right? Some of them are going to get worse before... They get better, and um, honey, I meant to bring my calendar up here. June, it's Friday, June, Friday, June tenth. Bishop Mark Sharona is going to be here. Um, he's gonna, he's gonna, it's gonna be. No, give a clap off, and that's really good. Uh, Bishop Mark Sharona is gonna come. He's gonna talk to us. Um, he has started a um, 
anyways, he's, he's going to be officially uh, stated as my bishop. He's going to come lay hands on Tracy and I, and we're going to have a, a really good time. It's going to be a good time, and you put it on your calendar and make it. Duke understands the significance of that, so he's cheering. When you understand, you'll cheer as well. Hallelujah. So in Ezekiel chapter 17, follow me, if you would, for a second, because this is it's a little complex, and it's complex because the Bible is actually complex. If you go into every Bible study and you come out thinking, wow, I know more than I knew, you're like, you may not have actually studied the Bible. Somebody may be manipulating you, right? It's a complex document written a very long time ago to people who are nothing like us, from people who are nothing like us, by people who practice a different religion than us. It's a complicated document. And we have to first understand who wrote it, who they were writing it to, what the goal what was being revealed about God, then understand what God really is like and how we appropriate that to our lives so we can be worshipers of God. Does that make sense? And so Ezekiel chapter 17, Ezekiel uh, is talking time and time again about himself as being the son of man. He uses this phrase over and over again, and he uses this phrase uh, to, to encapsulate the fact that he has a call by God as a man in the flesh who is suffering. He is not some super spiritual being. He is a prophet, but he is the son of man. He is but a human. And and as we appropriate that towards Jesus, it's super important that you understand that Jesus is not Superman. He's the second person of the Trinity, but we have known since about the year A.D. 300 that he is fully God and fully man. He had to be fully man, otherwise our flesh has not been saved. Our flesh has no hope. We have no uh, power over sickness and disease. There's no hope in this life. If he's only God, then he could not have been tempted in every way like we are. But because he was fully man, he was tempted in every way. He bore every sickness. He bore every disease. So our flesh has hope in him. Say amen. See, because he was fully God, our spirit man can have hope in him because he alone can bridge the gap between God and man and we can be saved and spend eternity with God. Theology matters, right? And so, so, so Ezekiel's trying to make it very clear, hey, I am the prophet, the son of man who has to live a life of suffering. He uses this son of man every single time that way until the last time he uses it in Ezekiel 17. And then there is a, a shift that happens. I want you to get this. There's, a, there's a, a shift. And in this last time he uses this phrase, son of man, referring to himself, he's referring to a messianic supernatural hope that comes from this suffering servant. It, there's a, it's subtle, but it's important. Because everything he's saying that you have known about this suffering servant at one moment will shift. And in that shifting, there is a hope of God to come and turn all things new. You, you, you get what I'm saying here. And, and it's important to get that because cause, cause, cause the, in, in, in this shift, like, it's, like, it's like when you knew some, like you ever met someone and they just seem like cool people and you're just talking to them, you didn't think they're anything. And then the more you learn about them, you find out they're actually somebody. Is, has that ever happened to you? Like you meet someone and you're like, oh, whatever. And you're like, oh. I, I remember one time uh, my, my wife and I uh, were at a business, excuse me, a business meeting before, um, before I was in ministry. And we met a man and we're like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just talking. And I was like, oh, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, uh, I work in radiology. I'm like, oh, that's neat. Maybe, a, you, know, you know, like a, at a hospital. He's like, no, a, a radiology clinic. I was like, oh, you know, are you a radiologist, radiology tech? Or are you a 
you know, what do you, oh, no, no, no. I was like, oh, are you a doctor, radiologist? He goes, no, I actually, you know, I own it. And he's like, oh my, oh, you own the radiology center, huh? He goes, no, I own a, a, a chain of 700 ra radiology centers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, I called you a radiology tech. You own 700 radiology centers. Different, right? Oh, oh, that, right? And so, so like, like, like it shifts, right? Like things are, things shift. And, 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 and so Jesus, all throughout his ministry, up until this last supper, he had regularly been referring to himself as the son of man with this reference to this Ezekiel 17 passage this suffering servant, though the disciples didn't get it because disciples were stupid, right? Like, they had no idea what was going on. I say stupid, but we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't get it. And so Jesus keeps referring to himself as the Son of Man has come to do this. The Son of Man has come to do that. And, and they didn't get it. They didn't get that just like Ezekiel, there's this shift that happens in Ezekiel 17. There's a shift that's going to happen with Jesus' ministry. And he was a, he's a miracle worker that many were beginning to believe that he was the Messiah that was promised, but they did not understand that the Messiah that was promised was actually the second person of the Trinity, that they had God in the flesh in front of them, that the eternally begotten of Mary was right there as their rabbi. The Bible says that those who murdered him were ignorant. Had they known, they would not have murdered him, right? They just did not know. They could not understand. But Jesus had been giving them clues all along. Jesus gives clues all along. And then he gives you the decoder ring much later. Have you noticed that? Much, much later. So Jesus had been calling himself the Son of Man all along. But here, Right after the Last Supper, he finally uses that the Son of Man is now glorified. They didn't pick it up, but there was this messianic shift that was happening in his ministry at that moment. See, there is this time that you can get so familiar with who Jesus is. You can have this youth group theology about Jesus just wants you to not have sex with outside of marriage and wants you to be good to your parents. And then that's the depth of your theology. And then life comes along and all of a sudden things get a whole lot more complicated, right? And, and you just, you thought you knew Jesus and you thought you knew him because you saw a miracle here or God used you there. And then all of a sudden something happens and there's this messianic shift that happens in your relationship with God and you find out that some of the things that you thought were true are not actually true, yet at the same time, some of the things that you never thought were possible, a door has just opened, but that door looks like tragedy sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes God does something that's so significant in your life, it's not a Hallelujah, it's a where you been Jesus and you don't understand that this tragic instance that just happened is now the, the son of man is now glorified because you haven't put the pieces together yet. And I know that may sound complicated, but, but, but I'm going to unpack it and, and this is going to give you some hope, I hope, in some tragedies that you may be seeing unfolding in your life. You see, when you walk with Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost, the angels show up every now and then and declare a 
prophetic shift in your life. They declare that a messianic shift is happening, that the Jesus, the one who walks beside you, is now the resurrected God who is now seeing things that you never could have seen and is orchestrating things that you never could have planned yourself and that the living God actually does have a hope and a future for you and you will see it as it unfolds before you, but sometimes it takes a dramatic shift for that to happen in your life. But when God shifts the anointing in your life, there is a new assignment that comes with it. I need you to hear this. When God shifts in your life, when you feel the the circumstances of life that begins like you thought I was going good with God, and then all of a sudden, everything begins to shift, and you're like, God, I thought we were doing good. I searched my life for sin. I searched for what I need to repent. I repented of everything. I know how to repent. I done made us some things. I'm looking for generational things. I'm like, uh, maybe somebody I know did something I need to repent of. I'm just, I've searched it all and I can't find nothing, but yet things that used to work aren't working anymore. I'm here to let you know it's possible that you're in a messianic shift, that the anointing has shifted in your life and the assignment that is now in your life isn't the assignment you had before. There's a new anointing in this prophetic shift for this messianic call in your life to carry the anointing in a way you have not carried before because things are not like they were before. Can you say amen? I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to get excited in a second here. I think God is going to awaken something, and I want you to see hope in areas that you only saw darkness. Can you say amen? Amen. I feel like God is is shifting something in some people's lives right now. Have you felt a shift? There's a shift happening in our country. There's a shift happening in our country, and things that you could say 10 years ago, people are like, oh, you can't even say those things anymore. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. My wife and I, we, we went to watch like an old TV show that I watched, you know, BC, you know, before Christ. Uh, a certain, well, I don't want to name it, we'll call it a, a comedy jam of sorts. And, uh, and we, we, we hadn't seen it in a long time and we put it on, it was on cable. We're like, let's watch this. And we're just watching, we're like, ooh, like, just like racist jokes were funny. Doesn't matter what, ra- oh, that, these, these jokes, these, these aren't funny anymore. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that it's no longer acceptable to talk like this. Thank you, Jesus, that we're just a little more aware. Now, a lot of people got offended in this shift, but sometimes people got to get offended to get shifted into Jesus' messianic call. Can you say amen? Sometimes some things need to be shifted in our lives to line up with Jesus. Now, I, 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 um, I, I, believe, that, um, I believe that the Lord wants us to be a, a more kind nation. I do not believe he wants us to be a meaner nation. I do not believe he wants us to kill people. I just, I just have a feeling that us walking around shooting people all the time is just not a good idea. When we had this attack with the dog, I was like, do I need to start carrying a weapon? To, I don't, I don't want to carry a weapon. Like, that's the last thing. Like, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I don't, want to, I don't want to shoot anything, right? I mean, I don't mind shooting a target, but I don't, I don't want to shoot stuff. And so I went to a, 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 some gun folk, and I was like, uh, how, you know, I'm a vet. You know, I think I can legally get a concealed carry pretty easy. I just want my family to not get attacked by dogs. That's all I really care about. And they're like, oh, no, what you want is mace. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to carry a gun. What you want is mace. And I almost cried. I'm a, I'm just, I'm be, I am being completely honest with you. I felt like this heaviness come off of me. I'm like, 
Well, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to be in a position of carrying a firearm that, you know, I don't want to shoot nobody. Does this make sense? Like, I don't want to be pulling guns in the middle of my neighborhood. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. Like, I want to live in a neighborhood of peace. I, I want to be a man of peace. I want to be a man who says, like, we, like we, our, our society needs less guns, not more, right? And we, and we, we could use a couple laws. I, I don't want to offend nobody. This is Carl. This isn't the Lord. This isn't Revival Life Church. This is Carl. We need less guns, not more, right? And so, like, when they told me, like, hey, here's an avenue to protect your family. I was a man of peace seeking peace. I just want a dog to go away. I don't want to kill a dog. I don't want to bounce it off hitting people's houses. I, I want to be a man of peace. And in the midst of gun people, the Lord was able to speak and say, you don't need a gun. You can just get some mace, spray the dog. Everybody's happy. I go home. The dog cries. I don't care about the dog. I, would, I do not care. Burn forever. Just remember me. Remember this, right? I'm, at, I'm looking at you. But, but, but there's a shift happening in our country. There's a shift happening in our nation, and I'm not talking political. It originates with the church. And we have seen all the scandals of the church in the last three years come to the surface because there is a shift happening right now. There is a shift, and the Lord is calling churches to account for what they preach what they believe, and will they stand on the side of justice? God will not be mocked. He will have his church. And there is a shift happening. And you can tell because there's churches screaming and complaining and doubling down, saying we're going to be even more radical, and the Lord will have his way. We don't need to badmouth them. We don't need to, I don't need a YouTube channel to point out what's wrong with them. The Lord knows how to take care of his church. Amen? And so here's why I say this. People who disagree with us, uh, man, I, oh, Jesus. <clears throat> there, uh, it's, it's, my heart, it's my heart to be conciliatory, but I just, I, I, there's a prophetic unveiling that's happening right now. And uh, there is a, look, nobody in this room ever, like, white people get nervous when I talk about racism, Right? Just get nervous. Like, I know you didn't own slaves, okay? We, we know this. All right? You don't have to explain it. We understand that you never enslaved anybody. We get that, right? We, and we know that, and, and if you're a person of color, you don't know that when we do our genetic testing, we pray that nobody in our line ever owned any slaves. Like, that's like, okay, I have people from South Carolina. Please, Lord Jesus, don't let them be farmers in the 1800s. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Like, like, like nobody wants, like, at least in this church. Like, I, don't, I can't speak for any other church. But like, so, all right, so like, like we, we get that, right? Um, but but we're, we're pretty far from a, a country that doesn't see race, right? God sees race. He created race. He didn't create racism. Us white people created that. That's our invention. Like, like that's what we invented that. Like, that's, right? I, I put this on social media and people, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'm going off the rails here. So, so, so I'm, 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 I'm on social media. I'm, I'm interested in justice. There's a brilliant uh, legal scholar um, who, or excuse me, a historical scholar uh, who spoke at a Christianish university. They accused him of being pro-CRT. They, it was just nonsense. And uh, I begged him to stop talking about this because you're giving this racist institution to more publicity than they deserve, right? Like, you've got to stop calling out this college because... Their, their enrollment's going to go up now. 
Because everybody knows if you're racist and you got kids, that's where you're going to send your kids to college, right? And so I'm begging him. And so the people of color were in my comments saying, you shouldn't be telling a black man what to do. I'm like, this man got a PhD. He's not listening to me. Like, the, the, the thought that you, like, that he feels some compulsion to listen to me, you need to think about racial dynamics because he ain't listening to me, right? Like, this, he's in every way more qualified. And, and so I did a little video. Uh, I said, uh, people said, Carl, you know, as a white man, what do you know about racism? I said, I'm a white man. We literally invented racism, right? Like we, if anybody knows about racism, it's white people because it's literally an invention of white people. You're like, what are you talking about, Carl? Here's what I'm talking about. We have to recognize that there is a shift happening in this country. It wasn't just in 1856. It wasn't just in 1965. There is a shift that's happening in our country right now, and it is being orchestrated by the Holy Ghost of God that says, listen, church, I've called you to love people. It is your job to love radically. Even people you disagree with politically, there's people that you disagree with their lifestyle, you disagree with their religion, you know that they are walking in darkness, you know that they are walking in deception, you know they're living lifestyles of destruction. That is none of your business. You are to love them radically. And what you see is the church saying, I don't know if I want to love radically, I want to be mean. And Jesus is saying, you can do it. You can do it. You can love radically because I loved radically even people who betrayed me. We can do it as a church, right? Like we can love radically. Am I, I'm going too far down the road, Duke. Am I all right? Am I preaching okay, Duke? Are you uncomfortable or am I all right? If Duke's uncomfortable, I don't know what's going on here. All right, check this out. Verse 33. Let's unpack the scriptures. Let's unpack the scriptures. Watch this. Jesus says, little children, I am with you a little while longer. And I say... As I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, follow me for a moment, if you would, please. Follow me for a minute, please. When we follow God, we think as Americans, like Tell me why first, and then the what, right? And if you have ever raised teenagers, you understand this, right? They want to be convinced that what you're saying is worthwhile. Then they will listen to what it is you want them to do, right? Mike, I've had great kids. I, I, I joke about children. I've had, I'm just, I love, I'm very blessed. I've had very, very good experience with children. My last one's almost not going to be a teenager. And then, but I, 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 so I just want to say, I'm not calling out my kids, uh, but I'm calling out your kids. Uh, but... <clears throat> Um, we, but, but we, but at a job or in life, we want people to explain to us why we do stuff, then the, the what, but, and we don't recognize when we go to God and we feel a little nudging, we want to be convinced why we should do something before we agree to what, like, 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 like God, if you convince me why I need to do this, then I will go ahead and do it. But, but God doesn't actually work that way again and again, Jesus gives information then explains it later. He gives instructions, then he explains why much later. Sometimes we're going to find out why up in glory. Like we won't even know why we had to do stuff we had to do. He, what he's looking for people who will trust him and do what he says to do, and then we'll understand why we had to do it. Now, so many people, we get into these seasons of feeling like, Where, what happened to God? Where'd you go? Well, he done told you to do something. You didn't do it because you didn't understand why. Now you're wondering why you're in the desert. 
Because he had a plan for you to avoid the desert, but you wanted him to explain to you through the desert over there where you're walking, but he didn't want to do that. He just wanted you to pay attention and go where he told you to go, but you wanted the why, and he's like, I'm not giving you the why. You just follow the what, and you'll discover the why, right? And so we get in the desert talking about God abandoned me. No, no, you stopped listening to God a long time ago. Just start saying, I'll do whatever you told me to do, God, and then you'll find out why much, much, much later. We want an explanation and then instruction, but God gives us instruction and then explanation. That's enough for somebody right now. That's all you need. You came here just for God to tell you that. Like, we want, we want instruction, and we want to inform first, but God gives instruction, then leads us to understanding. And we often will never get the understanding until we obey and are faithful in what he's told us. And so he tells them, he tells them, I want you to love one another even as I have loved you. At that moment, at that very moment he's saying that, Judas is betraying him. At the very second, Judas is out there. He was a disciple of the living God, Jesus. You got, can you imagine the love that came from Jesus? Could you, I mean, have you experienced it? Can you imagine living with that in the flesh? The God of love living with him, him pouring his life into you, being one of the 12? And at the moment, that Jesus is being sold for some money. I'm not going down that road. But while Jesus and the truth is being sold for money, Jesus, he turns to his disciples, and he, he, don't, he, don't, he don't start talking bad about the people who left. He don't start explaining what was wrong with them. Judas out there gossiping about Jesus. Oh, yeah, you're going to sell. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get some money. Jesus don't explain none of that. You know what Jesus says? Judas is out there. Why? The disciples don't know this. While he's out there selling our Savior, he says, listen, y'all need to get this in your spirit. You got to love each other. No matter what happens, no matter what goes down, no matter what enters into your heart, you can't enter into this demonic assignment that will cut you off from your real call. You got to love. You got to choose to love. They didn't know. They didn't understand how important that lesson was so much later. They didn't understand the significance at that moment. Jesus could have simply said, hey, hey I need y'all to know that Judas is out there betraying me right now. And, uh, you know, and, and the disciples go and get Judas, and Judas sticks around. And, and, and what, 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 what would have happened? They, they, what, 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 what would have happened if, 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 if the disciples had to deal with that spirit after Jesus left? In the midst of their twelve. But Jesus is like, I'm going to give you this lesson. You're going to need it, and you're going to understand why it's important later. If, 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 if Jesus didn't get betrayed by Judas, and Jesus could have prevented it, Jesus would have been crucified either way because it was a plan of God. It was going to happen. Then the disciples would have had to bear it. Like, that dog was coming for somebody. And I decided it's not going to be my wife or my dog. I mean, he's going to fight this brother right here in the middle of the street. That's what's going to happen right now. I'm from Delray. We're going to take this. We're going to do this right now. <laughs> I found some garden tools. I was going to kill that thing. I tell you what, I was swinging at it. Anyways, listen, God says, I had to let some things happen for you to take care of, to protect others around you. You're like, why did I have to, why did this, why did this, what did, I had to let some things happen for you to take care of in order to protect others around you. Sometimes we go through trials just so other people can see how to get through trials. Because God's like, man, I need this brother to learn this, but I don't trust he's going to make it through. 
Duke, you're just going to have to carry this for a minute so other people can learn how to get a breakthrough. People say, I feel called to God. You feel called to God? Great. You're going to have to bear some stuff. Yes, give me the anointing, Lord. Give me the gifts, Lord. Give me the glory, Lord. Yeah, and I got a little cup of suffering. I'm going to need you to carry that as well because other people need to know how to carry suffering. And so every now and then, I need you to get this. I need you to get this because we are a kingdom of priests. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. You may be carrying a cup of suffering that the people in your work need to watch you. They need to witness you in grace. Carry the, 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 the sickness at home. In grace, carry the betrayal happening at work. As your boss is talking sideways to you and you ain't talking sideways back, you're just being a Christian and talking about, I know God's got me here for a reason. I'm going to be the best employee I can be. The world needs to see what it looks like to be a Christian in the midst of suffering. There's some things that you're going to have to carry in this life to prove that you actually don't read this book at least once and believe some of it, right? That, that you're just out there being a living embodiment of the scriptures. It's important that we become an embodiment of the anointing of Jesus Christ and that it's not just something we think about on Sundays or just for our devotional time at home, but we go out and we had to have some meals and we're in public and people are betraying us, but the anointing has now embodied us. And as I've taken communion, it embodies me. And as I declare these things in faith at the beginning of service in the Apostles' Creed, I, it's not just words, but I'm now being formed by it. And Christ is being formed on the inside of me. And when I'm at work, it ain't just Carl. It is Christ embodied in Carl's body. It is the anointing of God embodied right here. And when you tell me about your problems and I say, oh, no, no, my God can fix that. I don't know how, but I need to let you know I done been through something and God brought me through now, Christ is embodied in the midst of your workplace for someone who does not know him. Does this make sense? Amen. Say amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Aren't you glad somebody embodied Jesus in your life and invited you to come meet him? Aren't you glad that somebody believed this word and came up to you and said, you might want to come to church with me one day. And you're like, I don't go to church. You're like, and they're like, I know, <laughs> I see it. You need to get embodied. You need to be the embodiment of Christ. That's why I'm inviting you. Aren't you glad that somebody took the word at, at, with enough faith to say that if I can get this word on the inside of somebody, then Jesus will have a place to come and rest on them and change their lives. Aren't you glad somebody did that in your life? I know I am. I'm glad. I'm glad there were some bold people in, my, in the midst of my wickedness that declared the gospel of Jesus Christ to me and gave something. They done created a framework on the inside of me that when the Holy Ghost of God came and hit my life, I knew what was happening. This is what we do. We, 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 we live Christ in front of people. You do, not have to, you do not have to seal the deal with everybody you meet. Some of you do because that's what you're called to, right? But that's not everybody. You don't have to be out there telling everybody. You don't have to tell anybody they're going to hell, right? Because you don't know that. Number one, Jesus didn't anoint anybody in this room to judge anybody and say if they're going to heaven or hell. Jesus said, that, that's my job, and I'm not sharing it with nobody. Just get that in your heart. All you get to do is talk about Jesus. Just talk about the goodness of God. That's your job. You just talk about the goodness of God. And, and I need you to see this. As you, as you just talk about God in your life, as you just, just give him glory in your life, you don't got to be weird. You can be. Uh, you, you don't got to be a Bible thumper. You can be. But, you know, you just, just work Jesus into your life. Let him be a part of your life. And people will see that Jesus is part of your life. And as the troubles of life are happening, the Holy Ghost will breathe upon those scriptures. You don't know when it's going to, the harvest is coming. One plants, one waters, 
but it is the Lord who brings the increase. And so you're here planting seed. A lot of, a lot of youth meet Jesus at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 and walk away from God and then they don't get a hard place at 23. Maybe get pregnant, maybe find themselves in some trouble, maybe just depressed, maybe just realize the world is really kind of an awful place, you know, at times. And, and, then, and then something in them, the Holy Ghost breathes, hey, but there is a hope. There is a, there is a hope. There is something else. There is something else. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember. Maybe I'll crack open my Bible. Maybe I'll read the Psalms. Maybe. And then the Holy Ghost is like, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you, son. I've been waiting for you, daughter. And then there's a framework to carry what God has been doing. Okay, I got to, I got to, I got to, y'all are. Y'all are making me drag this out. All right. Listen. <clears throat> Jesus was telling him, listen, tragedies are coming, but I have overcome the world. You know, faith, faith, is, faith is trusting that even in the tragedies of life, that we can trust God. We can trust that God is leading us to where he wants us to go. You know, we, we see this in the Bible time and time and time again. We think we have God all figured out, and then we get mad when he moves different than we thought, and then we find out later on that he was right all along. This, this, is, this is it. Remember, remember Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, there's a, there's a trial. Uh, they don't call it a trial, but it's a trial. It's, it's called the Jerusalem Council. You, you, remember, you remember when um, Peter, early on, uh, Peter had this vision of the sheep, right? And it, and it falls from heaven, and there's these unclean animals, and uh, Peter's like, I, I don't know what's going on. And God talks to him and says, like, eat this. And he's like, I, 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 God, I'm too holy to do what you told me to do, right? Which is a funny, funny, funny statement, right? Um, and he's like, and then the people show up. And people show up at his door and they're like, you know, hey, come. Well, all this happens, you know, Gentiles start getting saved, right? And uh, you got we got we to remember who the scripture is written to. It wasn't possible for Gentiles to get saved. Gentiles could become, uh, they could honor God, they could, they could give money toward God, and rarely one would convert and become a worshiper of Yahweh, but they weren't really Jewish, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like we understand it. And now all of a sudden, lots of people are coming into what the Jews considered their religion, and they're like, y'all are, y'all are not preaching the scriptures right, they're not doing the Jewish stuff, they're not doing it right, and so, and so they call Peter to Jerusalem, they're like, we, we need to have a trial. And it's called, theologically, the Jerusalem Council. And the council in Jerusalem comes together, the Bible says, with the apostles and the teachers. And they come together, and uh, they're, they're, they're judging um, the prophets and the teachers, excuse me, come together, and they're like, what, 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 what's, what's happening? And, and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, we kind of pick this up. It says, and Peter reported, he says, to, or Peter talks about these, these Gentiles that came and got them. Uh, you know, because he had been praying, and he had this vision. He says, and this guy came and told us uh, that he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as he began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell upon, upon them just as he did us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy ghost. Now, catch this. A, a, a messianic shift had just happened. And the Jews didn't see it, but Peter saw it. Peter saw this shift, and it was a shift that none of the Jews, uh, you got you to remember, for a couple thousand years at this point, they were, they were right with God. And now, all of a sudden, this messianic shift happened, and God said, I'm doing things differently now. 
what you knew isn't going to work in where we're going. You don't pray for the Messiah your whole life. Every year you're at the Passover declaring next year in Jerusalem and you're, you're, you're remembering the Passover lamb and you're saying the Messiah, the Mashiach will come. And, and guess what? He came and now things are different. See, we got to be expecting that when this messianic shift happens in our lives, things are going to be different. And Peter is saying, listen, you don't prayed, And we said things were different. And remember way back when John was baptizing people and he said, I baptize with water, but he will come and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, I didn't understand it all these years and it just sat in my spirit, man. But when I came and I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people who were, I'm not even supposed to go in their house, but the angel done showed up and I heard the voice of the Lord. What am I going to say? No, like I've learned enough to say if if the voice of the Lord says something and the angel shows up, I might want to pay attention. And so I went ahead and went in their house and all I did was I told them about Jesus. That's all I did. I told them what we had seen. I'm just telling my story, sharing my testimony, laying out a little framework and then Jesus himself showed up and starts baptizing them in the Holy Ghost. And I didn't get them saved. I didn't do nothing but tell them the story. Then Jesus came and baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And and then then John the Baptist, whom Jesus said was the greatest who ever lived, said, hey, guess what? When you see this happening, you'll know Jesus is at work. And so I just did, like he's trying to let them know, hey, guess what? There's a new prophetic season that we're in. There's a new messianic season that we're in. There's a shift that has happened. and, 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 And I need to let you know today that when there is a prophetic shift in your life, things get messy. Things get messy in the prophetic shift because the old way of doing things don't work in the new way of doing things. And Don't get scared when things start to get topsy-turvy in your new prophetic season. I, I, some of you, some of you, this is confirmation. Some of you, I'm putting this in your spirit. So when you come into your new prophetic season, you know how to navigate it. See, there is a shifting. There's a new anointing in this next season. But sometimes God has to get rid of some things that you thought were a blessing, but were really a curse. There's some best friends that turn out to be a Judas, and he's like, I got to drive it out. And you're like, oh, but why, Lord? And then down the road, you're like, wait a minute, he was doing what, when? Wait, 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 what? Wait, wait, but I thought this was the job for me. I thought that was the girl for me. I thought that was going to be the thing. I thought that was going to be the house. I thought that was going to be, and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. And you may not understand this side of glory, but God is saying you're in a shift. You knew you were in a shift. That's why you were looking for a new girl. That's why you were looking for a new house. That's why you were looking for a new job. You were in a prophetic season and you thought you had it all figured out, but you didn't because God is still God. And God is still your side that God, your will be done. You pray it. He actually believes you mean it. He actually believes you mean it. That's why he told you to pray it. He's like, I'm going to do it. You, we might as well line up, Right. And so he's doing things, and you're like, why aren't you doing things the way I want it? He's like, because I'm still God. But there's a, 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 a false gospel that's being spread, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's crazy. It's, it's, it's insane. It says, God, this is what I want. Why don't you go out and do it now? And God is like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't how it's going to work. But there's some Judases in your life that have to be uncovered. They want to steal your purpose. They're jealous of your blessing. It could be hidden sin. It could be false friends. It could be vices. It could be something that you used to get you through last season, but won't get you the next season. It was good back then. It ain't good now. There were people that were fun back then. It ain't fun now. My wife and I were on vacation. I don't know if you know I was in Cancun last week. <clears throat> um, 
we met some nice people. We were hanging out. Nice people. We're just like, whatever. We're just, we're, 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 on, we're in ministry undercover, right? Like we were like, we weren't, I wasn't wearing a collar or nothing. Just, what do you do for a living? I'm like, eh, you know, this and that. I do this and that. You, you go away, you tell people you're a pastor, you'll be doing therapy the whole week. Like, like I ain't here for that, bro. <laughs> you start tithing, we'll talk about it, you know? Um, and so we're, um, we're just chilling with some folk, just regular folk, just regular old folk. And uh, this guy comes up to us, he's like, hey, uh, just talk to the pool guy over there. I was like, uh, okay, great. He said, he can get us cocaine. I'm like, I ain't that undercover. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm glad you told me now. <laughs> this, I want to know these things. Like, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I need to know these things. I, 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 what? <laughs> what are you? This is so far outside my wheelhouse. I don't even know. I don't even know how to react. I was like, really? Um, I'm gonna see if my wife wants more water. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this information. I'm, I'm gonna eat at the uh, Mexican restaurant tonight. I, I don't know. Yeah, wow. All right, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out. You know, but the Lord uncovers things. Like, yeah, like I, we were kind of hanging out, and now I'm like, now I know. Now I know we can hang out, but we ain't hanging out. You know what I'm saying? When he, when he says, hey, you want to party? Like, well, how you define party? Because it's clearly not how I define party, right? Like, you know what I mean? But the Lord has to uncover some of these things in your life. And, and sometimes we get all this, oh, I thought they were going to be my best friend. The Lord's like, you understand? I done just saved you. I just got, I mean, like, I... I'm crazy enough. I don't need a drug addiction. I'm, I got enough financial problems. <laughs> I, I don't, like, it's bad for my job <laughs> to become a drug addict, right? Like, it's, it would negatively impact my career path, right? <laughs> I, I got a family to support, I, and I'm cheap, and it sounds expensive, right? All right, I'm going to finish with this. I've been going a long time. I'm sorry. Verse 31. Oh, Jesus, bring it back. Hallelujah. Therefore... When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. That, that's, that needs to rack your brain. At the, what you would consider the lowest point of his earthly ministry. You could say it's the cross, but it was really the betrayal of his disciple. I mean, nothing hurts like someone close to you betraying you, right? Like that, like that, like that. Like you have a bad job. You, you, you could have like bad luck. You could have a car accident like but when someone really close to you betrays you like that sticks right like when someone you really trust like ah that's hard to lay down am I being honest am I the only one in here like that's 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 like that's like in your heart that's the walled off garden you don't visit right until your therapist is like can we talk about that you're like I don't know you know like um that but here's here's Jesus in the moment of his betrayal he makes a proclamation. Now the Son of Man, now is the Son of Man glorified. Jesus said that when he was betrayed, he was glorified. The fact that Jesus said his glory came, the fact is that Jesus said his glory came when Judas left. This means that, I need you to get this, the negation that had begun at that moment created the opportunity for the glory of God to happen in his life. There's a negation that God will lead you into. There's a taking away. There's a, there's a, a dark night of the soul. There's a season of suffering. There is a, 
uh, losing of the confidence in what you thought you knew that creates room for God to create the new thing in your life. Come on up, worship team. It, it just it, like this. It is this. It is this negation. I keep talking about this, but I'm going to keep talking about this. This is the negation that we see over the earth before God began to bring it. It was without form and void. There was a negation, and in the midst of that negation, God starts building something. There was that dark night that Abraham was under in the darkness that the Lord came and created a covenant on the inside of him. And sometimes in your darkest place, I'm not talking about the product of your own bad decisions, but I am talking God will use it. In the midst of your darkness, in the midst of where you think is the pit, there is finally a negation that has happened that God says, I can work with this. I can create something new in this. This, this, this negation is what will birth something new that will glorify God. There is something new God is doing in the midst of the negation in your life. I need you to look at it and not get dragged down into the pit by the devil who says this is going to be the rest of your life. You ought to just set up camp, set up your a bed and sleep here because the rest of your life is going to be dark. I need you to see and say, oh, God can work with this. God can work with this. Oh, this is a blank canvas. God likes a blank canvas. And in your life, God has been getting some Judases out of your life. God has been getting some faulty doctrine out of your life. God has been getting some lying folk out of your life saying, now this I can work with. Now I got a blank slate and I can build something in this, this area of death is not dead. God is making room for the new. He's clearing space for the real to begin. Come on, can you hear what I'm saying? Stand with me if you would. I'm, 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 I'm going to finish with this because I need you to get this in your spirit. There is a prophetic shift happening. There's a messianic revealing that's happening in the United States. It's happening in our lives. It's happening around us. And there is a reckoning. And there's people who are trying to hold on to the old. And that is passing away. And we need to have confidence. We don't need to try to rebuild the old. We need to have confidence that God is still God in our lives. Can you say amen? He is working in ways we do not see. I'm going to say it again. He is working in ways I do not see. I'm going to say that one more time. He is working in ways I do not see. He is working. I'm going to say it and you're going to repeat. You ready? He is working in ways I do not see. He is working in ways. He is working in ways I do not understand. He is working all things together for my good. Come on, somebody. This is what Paul wrote. Come on, this is what Paul wrote. Paul knew a little bit about suffering. He said, oh, just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which has not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. I need you to get this. If you think you know where this is going, you're probably wrong because the Bible says it hasn't entered into your heart yet. Okay, okay, I don't got time for that right now. Y'all, y'all, y'all ain't ready for that one. That'll, that'll, be, another, that'll be another message for me. But here's what I want to tell you. When you choose to trust God in times of confusion, you position yourself to receive breakthrough in ways you can't control. 
Let me say it again. When you choose to trust God in times of confusion, you position yourself to receive breakthrough in ways you can't control. You say, I do not know what is happening around me. That means that you do know what is happening around me. Because eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the blessing that you're concocting for me at this very moment. If I could understand it, it must be wrong, but you're working in a way that I cannot conceive. You're working behind the scenes for your good. I, right now, all I can see is Judas betraying me. But I know at that very moment, you are being glorified in a way I do not understand. And that blessing is going to pour out to everybody around me because there is a new prophetic mantle coming into my life. There is a prophetic shift happening. There's a messianic revealing in my life that's happening right now based on this betrayal. What the enemy thought he was doing for evil, God means for good. And he's going to turn Turn it for good on your behalf. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light. right now there's someone out there you don't think that's for you keep playing i prophesy over you right now god is working in that thing right now you think it can't be redeemed and god is like it's going to turn out better than you could have dreamed i am going to glorify the father in this situation oh i feel this in my spirit i feel it in my spirit i feel it in my spirit i speak it over you right now God is moving in ways that you couldn't even imagine. God is doing something supernatural. I had to clear the way for my blessing in your life. I had to drive out the Judas. I had to drive out your will. I had to take you to a place that you would bow your knee and recognize that I alone am God. And now I will show myself mighty on your behalf. Come on, somebody. Sing it out. Come on. You're a way maker. Way maker, miracle Prophesy worker, it. promise keep Prophesy light it. in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Prophesy, come on. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
somebody. Stop. Come on, you somebody. Stop I'm telling you, grab a hold of this right now. You grab a hold of it right now. Christ, I declare and I decree that that which you have begun in the hearts of your people today, you are good and you are faithful to complete it. We declare that you are the God who sees everything. You see every need in this room and right here at this holy moment at the altar where heaven meets earth. Right now, you are imputing righteousness. You are imputing faith. You are encountering man with the supernatural power of God to give hope where there is no hope and bring life to death in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Give a clap off for the Lord. Come on, this week, this week, this week, this week, I want you to embody Christ and watch him work in your life. You say amen? Amen. Give somebody a hug. Declare to somebody around you, two or three people, you're going to make it through this thing. God is working on your behalf. We love you. We love you. Don't forget to get your kids. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday.